Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least. But there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit fssystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, we saw a fairly mixed trading day in grains and livestock on Thursday. Pressure in the outside markets as well as we head one step closer to Christmas. Welcome into Market Talk. Thanks so much for joining us. Wishing you a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to have you here as we are wrapping up, uh, getting close to wrapping up here for the week and headed to the holiday and uh, really just thin overall market trade being seen here a little bit of this uh, low volume trade leading to some volatility plenty of things to discuss here on the show today coming up we're going to get some market thoughts uh, with brian doherty senior market advisor at total farm marketing he's going to join us in segment three and four to discuss the market trade here on the show today also coming up in segment two we're going to talk about soybean performance in 2022 and look ahead to 2023 ryan dunsbergen of golden harvest he's a uh, agronomist with uh, them in South Central Iowa. He's going to join us here on the show coming up in segment two. So I'm looking forward to that discussion as well. We're going to get some market comments and analysis with Arlen Suderman here in just a minute. We want to take a look here in the news headlines, a, a story that broke late on Wednesday. And it's been a long-awaited story here in agriculture. The Senate confirmed Alexis Taylor as USDA Undersecretary on Wednesday evening. She will serve as USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs. Many folks throughout the ag industry coming out and applauding the Senate's confirmation of Taylor to her Undersecretary position. National Corn Growers Association Vice President of Public Policy Brooke Appleton said, quote, this is an exciting development. Getting Alexis's confirmation through the Senate has been one of our top priorities as she is someone with a deep understanding of agricultural issues and is widely respected by policymakers on both sides of the aisle. Approval of this nomination comes at a pivotal time for us as we work to address a pending decree that would block biotech corn imports into Mexico, end quote. NASDA CEO Ted McKinney the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture added as well quote Alexis will continue to lead U.S. agriculture to further heights in her new role as she advocates for opportunities to extend the reach of American grown products around the world end quote. We also got industry reaction from U.S. Meat Export Federation President and CEO Dan Hallstrom. The Undersecretary of Trade position is a relatively new position dating back to the Trump administration. Um, but nevertheless, we see it as a very key position as we try to develop trade uh, in new areas around the world. Uh, this will be invaluable to, to be able to collaborate with Alexis Taylor in this role. We're very excited as uh, we've, we have experience uh, with Ms. Taylor from her uh, stint in uh, foreign ag service uh, uh, in her prior life, uh, in the regulatory programs, and we had experience with her uh, in several of the foreign markets. So we look forward to expanding that uh, in her new role as we uh, get more aggressive and try to develop some of these new markets around the world. 
While Taylor, who most recently served as the director of the Oregon Department of Agriculture, has worked as a policy expert on ag issues for several members of Congress and managed the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farm and Foreign Agricultural Services, she's an Iraq veteran and grew up in Iowa on her family's 160-year-old farm. Again, U.S. Senate late on Wednesday confirming the nomination of Alexis Taylor to serve as USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs. Well, let's turn our attention back to the market trade again. Fairly uh, mixed uh, to quiet holiday trade. A little volatility thrown in there. We get comments from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. I talked to Arlen around midday each day, and I talked to him around midday on Thursday. Got his reaction to the mixed activity in grains and livestock and some of the pressure in the outside markets. We start our conversation talking about the grain trade. Yeah, I really think we are seeing some of that feeding. And, and when we get to this pin holiday trade, uh, we have to be careful about how to interpret moves because oftentimes they can be from something rather insignificant that we might think of rather than a substantive uh, fundamental factor. Um, but when we look at the grain and oil seeds, they were mixed to higher overnight. Uh, and uh, the only exception to that was soybeans, which was weaker because of uh, – failing at overhead chart resistance once again yesterday at the 1490 level, which largely held that contract for the last six months. But all of the grain and oil seeds, uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, crude oil, uh, along with the stock market took a hit this morning when the GDP data came out is the third and final revision for the third quarter GDP, showing a much more resilient economy than what was anticipated in the third quarter. And then we had a also a weekly uh, jobless claims report that was pretty good as well. And this is a case of good news is bad news on Wall Street, meaning their fear that the Fed, Federal Reserve will need to maintain a more hawkish position now. And that's going to send us into recession in Wall Street's opinion. And recessions tend to be negative for demand for commodities. The one exception has been hard red winter wheat which is um, back into positive now because of winter kill risk with this cold air dropping across uh, much of the country. Over in the livestock trade, a little more mixed there on Thursday. This hog market had a huge upside move on Wednesday's session. I wonder, uh, with that hog market, is the tr overall trend still to the downside here, Arlen? Or what do you make of that big move yesterday and the overall mixed tone in the protein sector on Thursday? Uh, as we look at the February lean hog contract, it's been very volatile here over the past several months. Um, but the overall trend has been slowly working its way lower, and that's on uh, really a soft demand picture. And even though the quarterly hogs and pigs report on Friday is expected to show a reduction in hog supply of about 1.5% or so, uh, that soft demand has been um concerning to the market overall. Near term, we're getting some support from the cold weather that's really hurting the, the movement of hogs to market as well as uh, the overall product uh, performance of those animals and being able to hold, put on weight and hold it. Uh, we got support for that for the cattle as well, although now we're starting to see some weakness come back into that market. Um, following some of the big gains we saw yesterday, I think yesterday's gains are probably overdone. Um, and uh, so we're pulling back a little bit and consolidating, but it's still a net big gain for the week for the cattle market. 
And again, that is comments and analysis with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at StoneX. I talked to him around midday on Thursday and got Arlen's thoughts in the market trade. And as Arlen alluded to, that GDP data, that was something that uh, really seemed to kind of influence the outside markets and in turn influence the commodities. I know as well, I didn't ask Arlen about the export sales, but as I mentioned earlier, they were weak on the uh, week as well. So a lot of different factors. You throw all that into the thin, low-volume holiday trade. And that's uh, when you end up getting some of these moves that uh, sometimes you just got to take them with a great assault. I think that's a good way to kind of summarize that. And it'll be interesting to see how the market trades on Friday as we head to the Christmas holiday. I bet the volume will be even lower. All right. Well, coming up here on the show uh, a little bit later on, we're going to talk more about the market trade with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing. But up next, we're going to talk about soybean performance in 2022 and look ahead to 2023. Three's growing season and get some recommendations and more. Ryan Dunsbergen, agronomist with Golden Harvest, is going to join us. Coming up next, we're back with more market talk on the way right after this. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now with Golden Harvest, we have Ryan Dunsbergen with us. Ryan, good to catch up with you, sir. Hope you're doing well. Hey, thanks for having me uh, on. Yeah, you bet. Doing well. Just uh, bundling up, getting ready for uh, for the cold weather that's, well, was on our way and is officially here today. So doing yeah. well. Yeah, well, glad you're doing well, and I, I echo the sentiment there. I know a lot of folks dealing with this cold Arctic blast here this week around Christmas, but uh, we got to talk a little bit. We got to we got to back up and talk about this past growing season, and then look ahead to the next growing season here uh, today. Ryan, let's look at soybean performance in 2022. Obviously, a lot of variability across the Midwest to keep in mind, but in your summation, how did we see soybeans perform here this past growing season? Yeah, you know, it was incredibly variable. Um, you know, if you remember last year, the, the two things that really kind of stick out to me, number one, uh, we had a lot of areas with drought this year. And even within those areas, uh, there were there were some places that were more droughty than others. So we, we even in soybeans, you know, we did see somewhat of a separation this year uh, on, on how different soybean varieties handled uh, these drought uh, stress prone acres. Uh, we also uh, had some areas where even even with the drought, um, we, we saw a lot of uh, sudden death pressure uh, further out east, uh, not necessarily where I live here in south central Iowa, but out east uh, saw a lot of sudden death pressure. So uh, again, we were able to, to get some good uh, boots on the ground notes and see some separation in some uh, some sudden death areas as well. So um, that's that's really uh, some of the things that I saw this year. Yeah, and you mentioned the sudden death pressure. I thought outside of some of those things, overall the disease and pest issues, it felt like a relatively quiet year in twenty two. Outside of what you mentioned there, Ryan. You know, for the for the most part, it did. Uh, you know, if you, re- you remember some some kind of some new things in the past, you think about the the thistle caterpillars uh, that we had uh, didn't haven't really seen any of those the, the past couple of years. Uh, you know, there's, there's some gall midge concerns still that we have going on. 
uh, in eastern Nebraska, western Iowa that, that seem to be spreading out more and more. Uh, so there are definitely some things to continue to keep our eyes on. But I, I would agree, kind of overall, by and large, uh, the drought was was definitely the kind of the, the biggest factor this year from a big picture perspective. And that's what that's what most people are, are still thinking about and talking about from 2022. Well, Ryan, let's look ahead to 2023. And obviously, farmers are starting to think about what we're going to be doing for this upcoming growing season. And we want to maximize that yield potential. So let's talk about what are some agronomic recommendations? What are some things you are, are thinking about that growers need to think about here as they start to make those early plans for 2023? You bet. Uh, well, the one thing we haven't mentioned yet that I really want to highlight is soybean cyst nematode. You know, that's that's still the number one pest that's out there. Uh, did did we necessarily see major issues from that? Well, that's the that's the that's the magic question. You know, a lot of that yield sometimes, quite often, goes unnoticed, and especially with reduced moisture in the soil that we saw this year. Uh, we, we definitely continued to, to give up yield uh, due to uh, soybean cyst nematode that is in the soil. So if people are struggling with that, definitely need to take a look at a different source of resistance moving forward. Uh, you know, the PI88788 is a, the source of resistance that, that a, lot of, um, a lot of beans are using today. Uh, we're we're seeing we're definitely launching some more soybeans. We have a couple soybeans in the portfolio that have a peaking source of resistance, and and that's definitely uh, going to help in those in those race shift acres where we're seeing uh, higher nematode pressure. And then yeah, moving on to sudden death, that continues to be a, a big talking point. It's a major disease in in a lot of different areas, especially as we move uh, our planning dates earlier and earlier. Uh, managing sudden death with a good variety uh, starting is your starting point. Uh, having having that uh, resistance built into your soybean variety, and then also looking at solid soybean seed treatments uh, to help with that. You know, specifically saltro fungicide. Uh, that's a great option due to its superior sudden death efficacy, uh, as well as crop safety during seedling uh, establishment. So. Those are just some some things there to keep in mind, definitely, as we move forward and look into 2023. Well, Ryan, you mentioned a couple of things there, the peaking varieties, I know, as well. And just thinking about Golden Harvest uh, genetics, products, varieties, are, are there any specific ones you're excited about across the Midwest here as we go into 23? Anything new that you're, that you're excited about or anything you would recommend for growers to think about as they talk to their Golden Harvest rep? You bet. So, uh, as, as we look at our soybeans, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got several, I should say a few. <laughs> so, uh, 1472, that's a 1,4 E3 soybean. Uh, that's, that's one that, that we have. We also have GH 1973 E3S. Uh, that's a, another 1,9 E3 soybean. And as well, we have GH 2610 E3. So, uh, those three soybeans right now are currently what we have in our lineup in our portfolio, uh, and I don't I don't want to break too much of the news here yet. We are we are releasing a couple new varieties as well uh, for 2024 planting season, so I will just leave it at that. But uh, we are we are launching a couple more looking in, into 2024. So 
Uh, that's that's one thing that we're definitely looking at moving forward is is bringing that peaking source of resistance, an alternate source of resistance for SCN uh, into our portfolio lineup. Well, fair enough. I won't press you too hard on those new varieties. We'll wait for the news. Ryan, <laughs> before I let you go, any other final thoughts you have for us? Anything we haven't touched on you want to share here real quick? You know, I guess my 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 only thing I would add on to that is um, soil management. And really what I mean by that, I, I anytime I talk about nutrient management, looking at your soils, I always start with pH. So just want to encourage guys, if uh, be proactive in knowing where your pH levels are, uh, doing what you can to, to manage your pH levels, because that's going to set you up for um, the rest of your nutrients that are in your soil, your, your macronutrients, your micronutrients. So that's the last thing I would leave people with is invest in um, a, a good soil sampling company and, and get a good handle on where your pH levels are for your soils. Well, Ryan, I'm sure if uh, growers want to learn more, goldenharvestseeds.com or finding and uh, contacting their local Golden Harvest Seed Advisor, probably all great ways to uh, start and learn more, isn't it? You nailed it. Those those are the best ways to, to get a hold of us and to answer any questions people may have. That is correct. Goldenharvestseeds.com, a great place to start. With that, Ryan Dunsbergen with Golden Harvest. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll uh, hopefully talk to you again real soon. You bet. Thanks, and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well. And again, great to have Ryan Dunsbergen on with us from Golden Harvest. We appreciate the time, and you can, again, learn more at goldenharvestseeds.com. One other uh, news I want to mention here before we head to the break and get ready for Brian Doherty to join us here today. As farm families celebrate the holidays, now's a good time to remind college students and future college students about what scholarships may be available to them. The National Corn Growers Association has several scholarships available. Lowell Neitzel, chair of NCGA's member and consumer engagement action team, explains. We offer a few different scholarships, anywhere from the person that wants to stay closer to home and do a community college or a technical school. We offer one for the uh, four-year person as well, and we also offer one for that postgraduate. As long as they're kind of going back towards that field of agriculture or somebody that's looking to help the industry, you know, we're willing to help them out as much as we can. But we couldn't do this without the help of BASF. They have been a huge trusted ally in this whole process for the last 15 years, and there's no doubt in our mind we couldn't do it without them. Neitzel says the scholarships help ensure the future for corn farmers. For me personally, it is exciting, and it's very important for our industry to give back to those younger people because I see it as an opportunity for them to someday step into a role that may pay dividends for my operation. It might be an agronomist, or it might be uh, an engineer designing a piece of equipment for me. And so if I can invest into them and give them an opportunity to help me maybe in the future, I'm all about that. More information on how to apply is available online. So if they want to apply for our scholarships, they can go to our website, ncga.com, and click on the, the tab and pull down to the scholarship link and, and click on that. A lot of our states actually have coordinated with NCGA. So if you apply for one through NCGA, you're also applying for one in your state if they are tied together. We have had close to 70 students that we've helped out over the years, and hopefully we can keep going strong for the years to come. 
And again, you can find more details online, ncga.com. Applications must be submitted by January 31st by 11.59 p.m. Central Time. All right, coming up next, we'll talk markets with Brian Doherty of Total Farm Marketing. Back with more here on Market Talk on the way right after this. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, as we take a look at Thursday's market trade action, we're nearing Christmas. We had a mostly down day, a few exceptions uh, in uh, Casey Winter Wheat and in the uh, hog sector as well. And, uh, really just uh, watching some of that thin holiday trade, a few things of note. Let's uh, let's talk about it. Let's bring in our good friend Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing, joining us here today. Brian, I'll wish you a uh, early Merry Christmas and uh, hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us. Well, likewise, and thank you. And yeah, we had some movement today again in the hogs, a lot of activity there the last couple of sessions. Hogs and pigs report out tomorrow. So so there's a lot on tap for the market to to basically digest. Um, but it looks like we had uh, you know, another week of good export sales on the hog front. And then you got this really cold, uh, snowy winter storm. That's going to limit movement and maybe weight gain. Now, not so much about hogs, I think it's cattle, but uh, on the weight gain, but it certainly could limit some of the um, some of the movement. And so that is um, uh, that's out there. And then, you know, other stuff we're getting, you know, what's the Argentine crops look like and the planting progress and such. So, yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. Definitely. Well, you know, I'll stay on the uh, on the livestock side here. You, you brought up hogs and uh, that was probably the strongest market of the day. Wednesday was a big up day in this hog market. You know, you brought up the cold weather and the quarterly hogs and pigs report out Friday. Uh, I just I wonder as we look at hogs, is the is the trend still to the downside? Do we think is this a short term kind of pop in this market? What do you think there, Brian? Yeah, you know, if you look at those back months, the the winter months or the summer months, excuse me, uh, you've got uh, you've got new contract highs scored again today on those contracts. Um, those are, you know, I, I'm going to say on fire. They've had some volatility, but they punch back higher now. All of a sudden, they're 108. So the question is, you know, is the is the February hog at 89 dollars? Is that overvalued or undervalued? The thing is, it's still above. Uh, it's well above the the, the cash index. They get this big divergence between expectations for limited supply and maybe better exports and demand down the road versus nearby supplies, which are keeping the market, I'm going to say, in check. Mm-hmm. We've had a good recovery this week from 84 to $89 in hogs, but three weeks ago, we were closer to 92 And so a lot of volatility, a lot of back and forth, uh, but I think it's weather-driven. Uh, consumer demand. Uh, there was a report out here um, earlier in the week that combined dollars spent on beef, pork, and and uh, poultry will be a record high. So the consumer is still buying, but with inflation, just don't expect as much. 
Well, and you mentioned as well the very strong export sales numbers for the week. China, though, not really in there. And I know there's maybe some concern about China and demand, although there's been reports out this week that they're going to be looking to try and stimulate their economy as we move into the new year, Brian. Yeah, so China's struggled in a lot of fronts. First, they had the lockdowns forever that really stymied their economy. And now they lifted the lockdowns in a lot of areas with the idea that, man, that we, we, we got them to cross that threshold. Now they got COVID, you know, rampant COVID. So struggling with that. But China's also did things like reduce bank reserves for lending, uh, could do some stimulus. They're on the offense of the kind of jumpstart their economy. And if they do, one of the first things they'll probably uh, look at is making sure they have enough inbound food product. And so we're kind of excited about the possibility that the hog market might have some room there. Uh, beef for sure. Uh, the dairy market has been kind of bludgeoned or beat up on, on the worry that China won't be there. Uh, but we had some recovery in the front months today and, and maybe that market's trying to search for a low and this, you know, if China looks to stimulate their economy, it might be just the thing that we need to see the dairy market get turned around. Yeah, good point there. And and staying with the dairy market uh, real quick, too. I know, you know, nearing the year end, we've had some volatility in this market. But to your point, uh, finding a little bit of support, it appears here today, headed towards uh, the Christmas holiday. And hopefully that can maybe hold here as we get to the end of the year, Brian. Well, the hope it's can, it can hold. The, the milk production report, again, showed an increase and it showed more milk per cow, 17 pounds per cow, 14 or 17. The point of it is, is that you've got a double whammy against the dairy market here this last month with increased production due to increased numbers and increased efficiency. So the dairy farmer has done what they do best. When prices are high, they figure out how to produce more and they've done it on, they've, they've accomplished that now on, on those two fronts, efficiency and in total production. Mm-hmm. Very Total true. Total numbers up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Uh, on the beef side, uh, cattle trade fairly mixed. I wonder if some of that was maybe spillover support from hogs. Also, I have to think traders are keeping one eye on the cattle on feed report that's going to be out Friday afternoon. Maybe squaring up positions ahead of that, Brian. I think so. And I, I you know, we've talked about this for a long time that you've got a nice uptrend in cattle. New contract highs scored again this week on the, uh, let's say, the February, the April, uh, December as well. So you're just right across the board. You're seeing these uh, futures markets continue to move higher, new contract highs in June. And the background of this will be when we look at the, the cattle on feed report tomorrow, we're probably going to see marketings. Uh, up from a year ago a little bit but you're going to see placements and you're going to see on feed numbers lower so again the the backward vision was pulling cattle ahead putting them in the feedlots had some pretty good weight gain this fall and now those are coming out of the feedlots and what you've got in the feedlot is a smaller number and thus to get the strength in the back months I am a little surprised, and I know with the cold weather this week, that's definitely playing a role, I'm sure, but cash cattle trade has just been really slow this week. A little northern activity shown on Thursday, but the south still not a whole lot as we're talking right now, and you know maybe that's, uh, pr- you know, we're prioritizing animal health over making sales in feedlot country there, which is a good thing, Brian, but still just interesting note there headed to Christmas, how weak that cash trade's been this week. Been a bit surprising. My my guess on that is is that retailers pretty much bought up two weeks ago or a week ago for this weekend and next weekend, 
and they haven't had maybe that surge at the store where they need to do last minute, you know, build up or, but this is an unusual that it's, it's kind of like, you know, you talk, think about Thanksgiving at beef prices often on the de- expectation of it be on the decline in the Thanksgiving. We often see them on the rise in the Thanksgiving because our, the market's already looking beyond Thanksgiving. The buyers are looking beyond. But yeah, I'm surprised the market didn't put in a little more weather premium. It certainly did put in premium from the asking price as as uh, producers were looking for 156 to 158 in the market. It kind of, you know, accomplished that. But uh, cash didn't quite follow suit, at least not yet. Yeah, it's something to watch very closely. Uh, overall, uh, and this will help us segue into the grains too, I know stock market, outside market, a lot of pressure there Thursday. We got the revised GDP numbers. Uh, it seemed to show maybe a little bit uh, more resilient economy and stoke some more worries about what the Fed could do there. Uh, that seemed to be, outside of a lack of any other fresh news that I, I could find, Brian, that seemed to be one of the big catalysts in the uh in the grain trade being lower on the day Thursday. Yeah, it is one of the catalysts. And it is one of those things where when we look at the, again, kind of this big picture perspective that we have, um, um, uh, you know, it's just a problematic market in that, it, you know, we, we, it's like like corn. It, they, they want, it wants to go up, but then it runs out of gas. And when it does, it runs out kind of hard. Um, um, so, Outside markets, boy, in Enigma, uh, we'll probably show some of the biggest losses, you know, as we close out the year, um, maybe ever for for a year, um, uh, in tech stocks, things like that. Um, expectations are that another half point rise in rates is in, anticipated in January um, or into the new year. I'm not sure when they meet. Will it be more? Probably not, but I, I think. I think the uh, the idea that maybe going into January expecting a quarter percent or maybe no percent, I think that's behind the market after today. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. It just feels like, you know, overall, that's, you know, finding that as our quote unquote news of the day as was basically the move because, you know, we're in that thin holiday trading time period, Brian, where just at low volume and sometimes you got to take some of the moves with a grain of salt, I would think. That's typically the case. And, and uh, you know, yesterday we saw this big jump in the wheat prices and then today we we're off. So that's indicative of maybe holiday type trade, lighter volume, some short covering. You ran through some moving averages and corn popped it up yesterday. But I don't want to read too much into to those weeds. As we kind of step back and look at all of these markets, we continue to see that as interest rates have risen since June, the combined net long of fund money of agriculture commodities has continued to decline. So it's really about a money shift out of the commodities. And, um, you know, the question is whether that continues or this is just kind of a healthy correction where the money maybe went in equities for a while and now maybe comes back to commodities. Only only time will tell. Uh, there sure is a lot of stuff on the world front between Ukraine, uh, Russia, China, uh, you know, just about name it. And, and there's something there that um, bears watching. And right now the biggest will be the Southern hemisphere weather. Uh, Argentina got some rain. A lot of reports said, well, not nearly enough to do much good. Uh, yet the uh, crowd that says, hey, La Nina is on the decline seems to be beating the drums a little larger and that we're seeing weather patterns change. So, so the next several weeks will be uh, exciting, maybe critical. 
Great stuff and great thoughts. That's Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. We'll continue our conversation with Brian coming up here on the other side of the break. A few closing numbers from Thursday on the grain side. March corn down one to three quarters, 660 and a half. January beans down 13 and a quarter, 1467 to three quarters. We saw Chicago wheat March down five and a half, 762 and a quarter. March KC wheat two higher, 866. March spring wheat down five and a half, 922 and a quarter. We'll be back with Brian Doherty at Total Farm Marketing on the way right after this. More market talk coming up after the break. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Jesse Allen with you here in studio. Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing, is our guest with us here today. We're going to get back to our conversation with Brian in just a minute. We're going to look a little bit of a crystal ball uh, type of talk here ahead to 2023 and some thoughts and tips he might have for risk management. We're going to do that here in a second. Livestock closing numbers from Thursday. December live cattle were down 22, 155.90. February live cattle down 40, 157.30. April live cattle 15 higher, 161.32. Feeder cattle January up 15, 183.97. March feeders up 72 at 186.45. And in the hog trade, February up 65, 89.05. April hogs up 75, 90. 602 and may lean hogs up 47 at 10112 on the trading session on thursday and again uh, mixed a lower day in the grains march corn down one to three quarters 660 and a half july corn down one and a quarter 654 to quarter january beans 13 and a quarter lower 1467 to three quarters with march beans down 12 and a half 1472 Bean meal for January down four dollars. It's on four fifty-two even. January bean oil down fifty-one point sixty-five eighty. March Chicago wheat down five and a half, seven sixty-two and a quarter. July down four and three quarters, seven seventy-four and three quarters. Kansas City hardbread winter wheat for March up two eight sixty-six. July up three and a half, eight fifty-two and three quarters. Spring wheat March down five and a half, nine twenty-two and a quarter. July down seven and a half, nine oh six and a quarter. Oats for March eight and a quarter higher, three fifty-four and a half. And looking over at cotton on the day Thursday, March down limit down 400 points, 84.30. May down 378 at 83.85. All right, let's get back to our conversation with Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing here today on Market Talk. Brian, you brought up uh, some of those things there with South American weather and, and some of the world items that are out there, the trade and you know, as we look at these markets, we're getting close to wrapping up the year. We're looking ahead to 2023. As we kind of think about that crystal ball, I, I first want to just start and say, as you look back at 2022, what are some things in your eyes that maybe farmers and ranchers should have learned from the markets this year to maybe help them prepare and think about their risk management moving forward what's what are some things they should have maybe learned from this year taken away possibly yeah it's a, it's a good point and i i think what um what and it's always a challenge but when when you have markets that are moving upward and and common sense kind of kicks in well can we sustain demand at seven dollar corn or, or 750 corn that's history says no. So when we get up in those levels, make sure that you're continuing to reward the market and keeping that pay raise. Um, also, look at using other tools. Look at the put options. I want to echo back what we saw in in June when the corn market decided to tip over. Um, 
right toward the end of June, around the 21st, 22nd, uh, the market lost nearly two dollars. Lost a dollar eighty-five in a three-week window. That's just devastating. Luckily, the market came back. But if you were light on sales and didn't want to make sales because, well, you're waiting for eight dollars on new crop, uh, recognize just how fast the market can can take those opportunities away. And then the old saying is, nobody ever went broke selling rallies, or I should say, rallies with selling gains. Um, but human fear often says, you know, if I sell and now markets are higher, I don't want to make that same mistake. So maybe we don't add to it. Or maybe we add one time or two times and we should keep selling more and more quantity. You have a tendency to shy away. Um, you learn to use the marketing tools in that case. Well, looking ahead to 2023, I know you mentioned a few of the things that are on uh, our minds here. South America weather, the Black Sea issues, China. Uh, logistics, supply chains, the cost of planting this upcoming crop, you know, being probably the highest ever. As you think about that, any any thoughts, tips, recommendations you have for farmers here the final uh, week or so of the year looking into next year that they just need to maybe keep in mind here as we move forward, Brian? Yeah, I, th I think I think to keep in mind is what when you see the board price of $6 corn and $14 beans, what that ultimately could look like down the road could be more. So where do you start? Where do you, where do you, or where do you not start? I mean, you can't afford not to start. So I'm, um, I'm just a little bit concerned that the, the marketplace is going to run out of rationale to move higher. So it's not that I'm bearish, but what I'm seeing is markets that can't sustain rallies. So as we look ahead, um, you know, really keep kind of a sharp pencil handy to make if it's in incremental sales for you that work or if it's big sales at a price, but keep those orders floating out there um, in order to stay to sustain. I've used that word a lot a bull market. You need a lot of variables that need to be, you know, continually sort of pancaked on each other. And, and those are pretty rare events historically. Um, so, you know, sell rallies is the point. Defend higher prices. and. Um, Go about your work of producing the best crop you can. Definitely. And the old saying goes, you got to feed that bull with something. Brian, uh, if folks want to reach out to you there at Total Farm Marketing as they're wrapping up the year, entering a new year, want to get some advice on their marketing plans, what's the best way to reach you, Brian? The best way is a phone call, and our number is 800-334-9779. And then um, what I would tell you is to look at our website totalfarmmarketing.com and you can find a way to connect with us there or if you want to shoot me an email it's brian with a y brian at totalfarmmarketing.com totalfarmmarketing.com is a great way to get in touch with them and all the info is there as well and with that brian doherty senior market advisor at total farm marketing always a pleasure sir merry christmas happy new year we'll talk to you in the new year ahead thanks so much for the time absolutely thank you and again, always great to catch up with him. Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing, joining us here today on Market Talk. That's going to do it for the show here today. And uh, thanks to you for tuning in as always and uh, joining us as we talk about issues uh, impacting rural America and the market trade. Overall, Thursday session, fairly mixed uh, to lower the grains. KC winter wheat was a little bit higher, mixed to higher activity in livestock led by the hog trade and a sharply lower day in the stock market. We'll keep our eyes on the market trade as we head towards Christmas. And with that, I will wish you a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for joining us here on Market Talk. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 
When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.